You're listening to Dads, Diapers, and Drinks. Three dads trying to lead their families well in a crazy world. So grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to Dads, Diapers, and Drinks. I'm your host, Scott. And I'm Nathan. And I'm Jeff. Oh, and I'm Nate. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. He's new. Don't, we did not plan don't judge that. him. <laughs> I don't know if you introduced me or not. You introduced me last time. We could have. Yeah. But uh, we decided not to this time. Yeah, wanted to make it feel like you belong. I'm a returning guest. Yay. Yes. You've been our only guest and our first returning guest. So True story. Yeah. Well, the wives, but I guess technically... Are they, they guests? guests? Uh, yeah, they're they're guests, resident guests. Yeah, I'm the only returning guest. Yes, yes, second timer. Yeah, uh, so it's been quite a weekend for me. Um, <laughs> I was in Florida. I flew down Thursday night, nice. and I was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which I didn't realize until we decided to <laughs> fly down there. What was with the thumbs down? I don't like Fort Lauderdale, but I actually, I, I did not. I'll speak on this more later once Scott gets his story done because his is more epic than mine. Mm-hmm. But just on the note of not liking Fort Lauderdale, we went to the downtown beach area when we were there, and we were there for a couple hours. And Ellen and I just said, "Okay, this sucks." Uh, uh, what? Back to the hotel. Like I don't even want to be here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my so, word! It was yeah, it was very crowded. It was yep. super hot, like dead of summer here. It, it was already that hot in Fort Lauderdale. Uh. Florida. Yeah, so swamp south. It was swamp. It's way down there. Like if mm-hmm. I didn't realize that until we went. But if you follow like the latitude line of where Fort Lauderdale is, you're like halfway through Mexico. Like that's how far south. Yeah, <laughs> like the tip of Florida gets. I, I didn't even realize that. Um, but yeah, it's way down there. Um, so we were there. Jeff was there Monday through Thursday, mm-hmm. and then I was there Thursday through Sunday. Our dad was there the whole time, so he had. Jeff, Ellen, and Andy there for four days. Then he had just me there for a longer weekend. Um, so we were just playing a lot of golf. That was my entire agenda, um, yeah. which was a lot of fun. And I I very much enjoyed it. Very jealous. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I got very sunburned, which was, Ooh. that sucked. Um, yeah, I got, we got, me and Ellen both got burned too. Ellen basically was just at the hotel and she was just sunbathing at the pool. Yeah. That was her vacation. You look like. Four days of. You're already pasty white again. Dude, I don't it's, know what happened. I was literally <laughs> fried, fried. My chest was burned. I'm pasty again. Yeah. Then it's gone. Yeah, I'm still a little bit tomato-y, but it's starting to... It's, it's kind of tan now. It's not now. too like, aggressive. The burn doesn't hurt anymore. It's more like a roasted so, tomato at this point. Yeah, you know, it's whatever. Sun, sun-roasted or yeah. sun-dried? Sure. Is sun-dried tomato? Yeah, sun-dried. Sun-dried tomato. <laughs> um, so the plan was for us to play... And we we did. We played 36 holes of golf on Friday, 36 on Saturday, Woo! then 18 on Sunday, and then we flew not quite home. <laughs> um, so we were exhausted. Like that's I don't even know if I want to do that much golf again. We've done that in the past. That's a hundred holes of golf, is it? 36, 36. That's is 72. That's more yeah. than the Honda Classic. And 18 plays. Is oh, sorry, 90. It's 90. It's almost a hundred holes, holes of golf. Almost a hundred. Yes. In two and a half days. Yes. Yeah, that's God. more than the professionals played that weekend. <laughs> yes, it is. They play 72. I played 90. Yeah. 
You're like, yeah, take that professional. <laughs> in, in one less day, too. I started Friday. Oh, that's right. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, we could have come home sooner, but we really wanted to play one more round of golf. There was a direct flight from Fort Lauderdale to Cleveland that left earlier in the day, mm-hmm. but we booked a later flight that had a layover in Atlanta. This flight left at 7.50 p.m., arrived in Atlanta at 9-something, mm-hmm. maybe 10. No, it was like 9, 9.30, actually. Yeah, 7.50 arrives at 9.30, and then the next flight from Atlanta to Cleveland departed at 10.50 mm. and then landed at like 12.30 or something. So Jeff was going to pick us up at 12.30, but... The flight from Fort Lauderdale to Atlanta, the the plane just didn't show up. It was delayed for two hours. Oh, my word. And we just completely missed our connecting flight. And we were stranded in Atlanta. Um, so I have a lot of crap going down at work right now. And it, me missing today was could not happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm like freaking out. Like this is the worst time ever for this to be happening. Um but Delta Airlines, uh, <laughs> they made many mistakes. Um, they put us up in a hotel, um, which by the time we got out of the freaking airport, which is massive. <laughs> you should have just slept in. You should have just slept in. You should have slept in the terminal. <laughs> we were following the masses, and everyone just is a lemming at that point. We're all exhausted. We're just walking out to the baggage claim like you always do. Not really, I don't know. No one's really processing anything. By the time we finally get out, like, to the shuttle and then wait 20 minutes for the shuttle to arrive, it is now 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. And the flight they rebooked us on from Atlanta to Cleveland left at 8.45 the next morning. So, like, all right, it's 1 a.m. We're not going to get to the hotel until 1.15, 1 1.30. 1 uh, and then we're going to have to wake up pretty soon and turn right around and grab the shuttle to come back and, uh, and then go back through security and... Uh, yeah, I, I strongly considered just staying in the terminal, but we didn't. Um, we decided to go to the hotel, which I'm honestly I'm glad we did because I got like decent sleep in a bed instead of on chairs or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but so my dad and I agree. All right, we're gonna meet in the lobby at six forty-five, and then we'll th- get the shuttle, go back to the hotel, do or go back to the airport, do all that crap. So six forty-four, I'm down in the lo- lobby, like dad. <laughs> Dad, Papa, <laughs> Papa, did you leave me, Daddy? <laughs> um, so, so I, I called him. Mm. He's like, "Oh, did my alarm not go off?" Oh no, no, it didn't. Dad, arise, what? Father. Where are you? Get your butt downstairs. And uh, he's like, "All right, I'll be right down." And then, in the meantime, a shuttle just leaves to the airport. I'm like, and I'm already like stressed because I, I have no idea how long it takes to get through the Atlanta a- airport. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so he he comes down eventually. We we get another shuttle that left like 15 minutes later. Um, so it wasn't a big deal. And then we got got through security again and did all that crap and flew home. Uh, got home by 11:15. Oh, they lo- they put my dad's bags on a different plane and it nice. went to New York. Nice. So we sat around the baggage claim for a while. Did not <laughs> receive the bags. Then he's messing, he's talking to the guy at the help desk for a while. And meanwhile, I'm like, I need to get to work now. Yesterday. <laughs> so, yesterday. <laughs> um, so it's just, I don't have time for all this waiting around. So I was like, I was so mad <laughs> at Delta for just mm-hmm. the, the flight delay and then um, losing his bags and ugh, 
it just sucked. So anyway, got home, showered, ate lunch, said hi to my wife and kid, and then ran to work. Then got home. I got to work at one, worked until like six fifteen, drove home, got here at seven o'clock. Now we're recording a podcast, <laughs> and that's it. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> they're recording a podcast and then how, I'm gonna sleep how, how are you feeling about the podcast right now Scott <laughs> not real positive uh, I'm glad I'm drinking coke and Malibu rum uh, which we are all drinking it's yeah. delicious I love the crescendo to that story it just kept getting more intense and louder yeah uh, no uh, my day was not anywhere a weekend everything I, all it was I'm not even close to that eventful I went on a run today. That's that's my whole victory <laughs> list right there. Good for you, man. Warm enough to be on the streets, and I almost died. I mean, nice. not, not literally, but like my lungs revolted, and now yeah. I'm coughing like a maniac. So, cool. I'm not sick. <sighs> I did good <laughs> things today. <laughs> I wouldn't care if you were honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes running in that cold air makes everything like makes your chest hurt. And oh stuff. yeah, yeah. But it is good for you, I think, in the end. It is. doesn't feel like it is, but like it's definitely strengthening something. <laughs> Resilience. Built, you're yeah. getting a little bit of resolve. If I heard resolve. this much, something must be good. <laughs> Some calluses in your lungs. It's great. <laughs> yeah, mental fortitude. That's what I'm Lung getting. <laughs> hey, Jeff, what are you drinking? Oh, I yeah. am drinking my usual. I've got just a little bit left of my Glen Meringue 14. Ooh, just a smidge. So this is probably, I don't know, I might finish it tonight. Depends how... Uh, this conversation goes. <laughs> but if it's a two scotch kind of night or not. <laughs> yeah. We <laughs> shall scotch, see. Yeah. Uh, so I, I had a less eventful weekend. I was, I was in Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale. I only had like two sips. Yeah, take it I can't <laughs> talk. Fort Lidl, Lidl. So I was there during the week and it was, it was great. At first I was really sad that I wasn't going to overlap with you, Scott, but then I got to the room and I was like, was I don't small. even know where the heck we would be if yeah. we had another person. <laughs> well, yeah, Dad said he was like, going to go no stay with anybody. his Peruvian buddy that he met playing golf who lives on the right. course. Oh. But luckily, anyway. that didn't have to happen. But continue yeah. with your story. So it, it worked out. That was really good. We had a – it was great for us. It was, it was awesome just getting away. We only had one kid with us. We got to get rid of the two-year-old, which was, which was fantastic. <laughs> How did your in-laws do with the two-year-old? Pretty pretty good. Um She's alive. She had a little bit of she had a little bit of camp butt. You know how when you go like on like church retreats and you don't poop all weekend? Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> so Kelly didn't poop for like three days and they were uh. calling us like, is she okay? We're like, I don't know, that's bizarre, but it's technically not like, like wrong. I mean, like, I do that sometimes, but it's like I've done that. It's called camp butt. It's a thing. And then apparently she unleashed one as we were like returning that morning. <laughs> so my father in picks us up and he was like, you have no idea what she did to me this morning. <laughs> oh, man. Good job, honey. <laughs> nice one. So that was great. Uh, she did well. She didn't even notice we were gone. She was yeah. having a blast. Fantastic. So nice. That worked out well. But the, like she started doing this new thing this morning. So... We all know that Cocomelon is uh, created by the devil. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. It is the dumbest, the most catchy little tunes. And they use the same like three tunes over and over again and just throw, they just smash words in there <laughs> and force songs out of it. It's like so, mashed potatoes in a conformer. Just like get them yeah. in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the so, lottery wheel. Yeah. Like pull the ball out. And here's the word you're going to use. Yeah. Yeah. Do that over and over. Yeah. Oh my so, God. Kelly today was 
running around the house and she was singing a cocomelon song. The Did you spank her? Oh yeah. That little jingle. So she was singing that. She was making up her own words to it. So she comes to me and go, Hello daddy, hello daddy, how are you? And I would repeat, I'm good, Kelly, I'm good, Kelly, how are you? And then she would go to mom and go and she would, she was making up words. She'd go to her brother. She'd go to Andy and go, "Hello, brother. Hello, brother. How are you?" So she oh, like figured out that this was a melody, and mm-hmm. that you could just slam any words you wanted into it. <laughs> she <laughs> figured out Cocomelon. <laughs> she, she solved Cocomelon today. She is I, was very, I was very proud. <laughs> That's it was, great. It was fun. You're like fantastic critique on the culture of Cocomelon. I appreciate <laughs> yes. you. Thank you. This is how dumb it is. A two-year-old has made up songs of the same caliber. <laughs> yes, there she it is. Actually, did. Oh golly, that's great. Were you gonna say more about the your ex- Fort Lauderdale experience? Or oh, I was just gonna. So where we were was in a kind of on the farthest <laughs> point of Fort Lauderdale. Because if you if you when you fly into it, you get to see the whole city. It is like swamp, 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 ocean, and city. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's a an ocean, there's like a city. That. I was going to say, that's Florida. Swamp. I think we yeah. just described Florida. <laughs> the Everglades are in the middle, yes. and then all the people are on the edge. Swamp, swamp, yeah. swamp, city, ocean. Yeah. Yeah. So we were, our our hotel room overlooks the swamp. We were as far from the ocean as you could be in Fort nice. Lauderdale, which is the cheaper side, and <laughs> where I much preferred to be, because we actually drove over to the ocean part, and it is just everything i dislike about cities it is busy the traffic sucks it's you're in the complete ghetto area where i'm like i would never get out of this car if my life depended on it <laughs> and then you arrive at the beach and it's all these ridiculously annoying bars with really really loud music playing and the first thing we do we find a parking spot finally we walk out the first thing we see is a drugged out couple oh making word. out and taking like someone's like shirt off what? On the street corner, and we're like, okay, so welcome to <laughs> Fort. We're here, <laughs> so happy we came to the beach. And then we start walking on the beach, and the next thing I see is a young couple of girls, uh, probably high schoolers, in ridiculously skimpy bikinis, trying to take Instagram pictures of their butts. Oh my word! <laughs> so my dad and I are just going, okay. <laughs> I think we should walk to another area. Like, I, can't, I can't be here. This, this, is, is, not, this is not this a good not sample size. This is not a good sample. Yeah. So we walked down the beach a little bit and we're looking at all these bars that are just completely stuffed with people. We found one that wasn't like overflowing. Mm-hmm. We went in there. We ordered each of us ordered a drink and we got some uh, shrimp appetizer thing is like eh, we're, we're at the coast i bet their seafood's good let's get it mm-hmm. it sucked it was 17 dollars <laughs> for shrimp it was literally terrible it was a buffalo shrimp thing and it was literally shrimp covered in frank's red hot oh my word <laughs> and it was 17 dollars and then dad got an old-fashioned and i got a mojito uh-huh. my mojito was okay Dad's old fashioned was the crappiest old fashioned I have ever seen in my life. It was fourteen dollars. What in the world? Jeez. We're just like whatever. Pay the bill. Let's freaking leave. I don't even want to be here. Let's just drive back to the other side of town where it's cheaper and better. The golf we went course out to a dinner is nicer. There and I had we had a we had a fantastic dinner at a um, brewery, like a microbrewery over there nice. by our hotel. That was like five minutes from the hotel. 
It's like, why would we ever go to the downtown part? That part sucked. <laughs> Drug addicts, chicks taking pictures of their butt and overpriced bad food and bad drinks. It's like, oh my ah, okay, I'm leaving. <laughs> Sounds like Florida. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice that you're able to figure it out really fast though. It's not like you had to weave like weed out a whole bunch of stuff that's just like mediocre. They just showed you all the bad right up front. <laughs> we and you were like, like I'm done. <laughs> yeah, in this yeah, we were literally there for like an hour, hour and they were like, that's just turn around and go back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh man. That's fun. <laughs> Florida. Florida. And on that um, note <laughs> Is it time to shift gears? Just no clutch. Jam it in a second, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is a little Match weird. the revs. Let's go. <laughs> so I guess we're going to go talk about guns now. Uh, I like guns. Yeah. That is why we brought Mr. Nate Hills back, because he is he knows a lot about guns. He knows and some things. I know pretty much nothing about guns. Mm-hmm. I know I used to play with cap guns as a kid. Jeff and I would go to the playground in our neighborhood and pretend to shoot each other, like dodging. Can you like, imagine that in 2020? Weaving in and out of all the like <laughs> stuff at the playground and hiding undercover and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And other parents at the playground would get upset at our parents for allowing us to play with cap guns. Are you okay, sir? Yeah. I'm making him laugh. I'm, I'm sorry. Laughing at Nate. Nate's like like dodging cover and then you just like turn it into a dance and I was just uh, caught me off guard. It's funny. Okay. Um, Entertainment uh, for the live. Anyways, Jeff and I played with fake guns a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they're Nerf guns. Oh yeah, played with those a lot. Freaking BB guns, guns and pellet guns. Were the BB guns, guns pellet guns had those. Do you guys ever play airsoft? Yeah, we had airsoft guns. We, got, we were more into paintball though. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. We never really got into airsoft. No. I know you guys are really into paintball for a while. Like it was yeah, like a really good year. Into- it was. It was actually funny story about that. We just bought guns and didn't really know much about them. We just <laughs> attached a CO two canister to them and started shooting. <laughs> and then we went to the fall retreat with our youth group, oh, yeah? where there was paintball, and they actually measured the force of the gun. I don't know what what exactly they're measuring, but the CO two pressure or something. And they're like, dude, your guns are way too powerful. Yeah, the regulator was basically off. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, and just here's it's basically CO2, yeah. CO2 <laughs> canister pressure just right now in the barrel. Yeah, <laughs> like this could break. They literally said this could break a mask if. We're like, no wonder those hurt so much. Yeah, yeah, so like, oh, <laughs> this one just hurts like hell. You guys are so tough. <laughs> Explains the bruises. Yeah, you guys are just like oh, used to get shot. Someone shoots you. You don't even like doesn't register on the pain scale. So you're just like keep playing like a shot. You. You're like, no, you didn't. What are you talking about? <laughs> it didn't yeah. have we, searing we, pain. I this. <laughs> we were breaking skin when we were being hit by our paintball. Oh, we had yeah. no idea. We just knew there was a little dial on it. We're like, I don't know, crank it all the way to the right. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Wait, this makes it shoot better. More, please. More. <laughs> it flies <laughs> straighter when I do that. Yeah. I'm sure it does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, golly, that's so funny. I remember funny. the first time we used them, it was just me, Scott, and our dad. We just did a free-for-all in our parents' backyard. Mm-hmm. And the first person to get hit was, we shot my dad in the foot from across the <laughs> road. Yeah. And he was like, he stopped. He's like, guys, 
that hurt. <laughs> like, like, what did we do? <laughs> and then the next person to get hit is I got surprised by my dad around the corner of the house, and he shot me from like eight feet in the thigh. <laughs> And did you cry? Oh, yeah, I lost it. It's like twelve. Oh my god! I can just see Jeff dropping like a bag of rocks. Oh my lord! Oh, that's gosh! So funny. I haven't thought about those days in a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sheesh. So that's Scott's experience is shooting. Oh, then we also our dad had a pellet gun, which we used to shoot oh, yeah. targets in our backyard with the pellet gun a lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not a lot, a lot, but like we do that a number of times. I remember doing that and enjoying it, trying to hit mm-hmm. cans and stuff from across the backyard. Yep. And then I think at that summer camp, we shot a, a twenty-two, and then that was about all I shot until earlier this fall when we had a company outing at a shooting range and I got mm. to shoot um, more twenty-two calibers mm-hmm. rifles. There, there was, was one time it. we thought we were going to die in Arizona. Oh, well, that's right. We went on a Jeep, one of those desert Jeep tours in Phoenix. Yeah. It was just you in a Jeep with the tour guide. Nice. We're out in the middle of nowhere. No other humans around. And he was like, hey, you guys want to shoot my pistol? <laughs> okay. No, it wasn't uh, even wow. that. It wasn't even that. He said, he said, all right, guys, I'm going to take a little detour. What? So there's, a, there's oh, something I special I like to do with, our, with, with guests. that I, It's not really part of the tour, but I like to do it. And then he pulls out his gun. <laughs> what a man. You're like, is this part of the tour? <laughs> like, are you going to end us? Literally, in my head, I was like, are we being mugged? It was like the only thought I had. <laughs> like, oh, my huh? word. And then he's like, I, I have a little shooting range over here. If you guys want, I'll take a shot. If you hit a can, I'll buy you a pop or something when we get back to the launching point. It sounds awesome. So, <laughs> oh, like a great deal. Okay. All right. But I had a moment there as a kid being like, well, I remember dead. What is happening? Dad didn't like that. He like started to separate himself. Like he was like ready to tackle the guy or something if something <laughs> something went wrong. <laughs> so yeah. <clears throat> yeah, he was he was on guard there. But um, so we shot a couple targets with a three fifty seven. That sounds fun. Oh yeah, out in the desert, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's like the extent of my gun experience. I I don't know anything about guns. Jeff, is so, yours about the same? So so yeah, up until that point, yes, and then. I've had I've actually worked two of my bosses I've had in my life have been former Marines. Mm. So they've taken me shooting a couple times. So I've gone shooting twice with a former Marine who he brought uh, a rifle of his, which was an M4 rifle civilian type. I don't know the mm-hmm. total specs of it. And he had a two different handguns, a one type of Glock. Don't know what type. And then another another pistol, which I didn't even shoot. He was shooting that one. Never used it. So we went and shot those a couple times and thoroughly enjoyed that mm-hmm. um and she we actually got yelled at by the cops because we were shooting it was is in our parents backyard because they, oh. they have a lot of they have a lot of land yeah so we went down into the ravine in my parents backyard <coughs> the, the ravine back there and we had some targets set up we're shooting into the ground mm-hmm. and then a police officer walks like in my parents backyard <laughs> and he's like, like what are you guys doing back here like i was shooting it's like well, your neighbors called to complain. We're like, is this illegal? He went, no. It's loud. <laughs> it's loud. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yes. Yes, Bye. it is. Should we stop? And he's like, I'd like you to. <laughs> It'd be nice. Okay. <laughs> so we stopped. And then my, my boss at the time, who was a 
Marine guy walked over to him and was like, I don't know if talked to them. was like, Hey, you know, it's okay. She showed him like his, I don't know. He's like some sort of ID. I don't know what the heck. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he had. Showed him something in his wallet. He's like, I, I know what I'm doing. It's okay. But like, like talk to the cop or something. But that was kind of funny. And then huh. I recently purchased my own handgun. I have a, a Walter, uh, what is it? P 2022 mm. nine millimeter, which is about eight feet behind me in a case on the top shelf. Leave it in the case. Boy. And mm-hmm. it, uh, it has remained there since I bought it. So. <laughs> yeah, but you got it. I have it. It's in there. It's in there. <laughs> <laughs> that is the extent of my um, gun experience. So I have a little bit more experience with just general shooting sports all around. Like I started in archery when I was really young. I did that for a while. I was actually really good at it. And then I just kind of, you know, had other interests. So I just like let that go. At the same time, I was in 4-H shooting for both rifle and shotgun. So we would go skeet shooting and 22 rifle practice. Uh, Boy Scouts... Also had my rifle and shotgun merit badge there. Also did archery there. Um, it's just generally part of my life. I did airsoft. I didn't really play paintball very much. I mean, obviously Nerf guns when I was a really kid. But like, yeah. Uh, and then after that, I did some shooting when I was in college with relative. I mean, it was in Virginia. Everyone had guns, and we were, they were like, you want to go shooting? And we're like, yeah, okay, let's go. So uh, I got to shoot some fun stuff. I got to shoot a forty-five long uh, Henry mm-hmm. lever action. That thing freaking kicks so hard. <laughs> um, like almost as much as a 12-gauge does, <laughs> which is shocking. Uh, shot a few ARs. Shot some handguns. Um, other than that, I've gone to the range with my father-in-law a few times. And but I don't personally own any guns at the moment. Like I never, I didn't buy one. So I yeah. think thinking about it, I mean, considering it. But you know, I just feel like maybe it's just like a really big thing. That's like the first gun that you purchase is like a big deal, and then after that, I'm just like, <laughs> well, I already got one. <laughs> but yeah, Nate, how many guns do you have? Yeah, Mr. Nate, Hills? what is your experience? What's your gun experience? <laughs> <laughs> well. I have been shooting guns for 25 years. Mm. Um, I've been hunting for 17. Um, I've been running ranges for both military and training purposes for over 10. Mm. Um, And I've been carrying a gun reasonably daily for 10 years. And Extensive. I own a few. We're just a gonna, we're gonna go with a few <laughs> as the number. Uh, it's a solid. If number. I'm being completely honest, I'd actually have to count, and I don't, I don't know the number off the top of my head. <laughs> Fair enough. Nice. It's not like it's a lot for some people. It's not a lot for some of my friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm in <Yeah>. between <laughs> one or two and a lot. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I've been shooting for a long time. Um, I started simple. My dad's always been a hunter. My dad was in the military. Um, mm-hmm. And the first time I shot would have been about five years old um, off a bench with my dad, 22s and stuff like that. And it's mm-hmm. just escalated from there, really. Um, I've Again, I'm, I'm also military. Um, and I've been shooting with the Army and running ranges with the Army since 20, well, I was shooting with the Army since 2010, but I've been running ranges since about 2012, okay. um, give or take. 
<clears throat> and running ranges for them. Um, so yeah, I've got a little bit of experience. I also work for a, a firearms accessories manufacturing company. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, guns are around. Yeah. All the time. Oh, 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 oh. error. Error. I'm still here. I caught it. <clears throat> you didn't really catch it. It did hit the no. ground. <laughs> you, 100% hit the ground. Close to ca- catching it. Caught it on the mouse. I, I slowed it down. <laughs> yeah, so I have a little bit of experience. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, for someone like me, who has very little experience, I found myself, when I went to the range of the company outing, mm-hmm. very anxious the whole time. Mm. I was I was uncomfortable, honestly, um, mm-hmm. being around the guns and like holding mine and just like I don't know wielding it. Like I I just felt like it, it was going to go off in any second. Mm-hmm. I, if I I felt like I was going to do something wrong, and I was just kind of I don't know I was uneasy the whole time. Mm. And I think that largely came from my lack of understanding of yep. how they work mechanically. Sure. Um, and I think that's a pretty common thread in America as well. There's a lot of a lot of talk out there about. Um, how guns are too easily accessible. And um, I, part of me wonders uh, how much of that is due to just bad education about guns in general. So Nate, what would you say to calm me down (laughs) (laughs) about wielding a weapon? Sure. So um, I actually just this, mm, well, it would have been spring or no later fall, middle summer, later fall, something like that. Um, had a bunch of people over to my house. I have enough property that I can shoot, and I don't get the cops called on me as opposed to just parents. We need to hang out. That's all I'm By saying. By all means. <laughs> um, so I do have some property, and um, I had a group of friends over, one of which who has some experience. You know, he owns some guns, shoots on a regular basis or semi-regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my wife has a little bit of experience shooting with me, but not a lot. She's by no means uh, against guns, but she's just not super into them either. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Then pretty much everybody else there was, so it was um, a, two other couples. So it would have been a total of six people. So three of us, one with decent amount of experience, another one was some, and then basically the rest without much. I brought them over to the house um, for one of the ladies' birthday party. Like it was kind of a birthday celebration for her. Um, yeah. She'd always wanted to shoot and learn a little bit about shooting. And so I did, I don't want to say it was a class because it wasn't a class, but like one of the things I did is I set the guns out and I said, okay guys, here's, here's what I can tell you about these. They're tools. They're no different than any other tool that you will use, whether it's a hammer or a chainsaw or a circular saw or, you know, name a tool. It is only as dangerous as the person is that is behind it. Mm-hmm. If you're ignorant and not understanding, <laughs> right? That's me. It can be scary. Um, yeah. yeah. And it, it can be unwieldy. If you follow simple rules, like if you're using one of those tools, if someone teaches you the simple rules of using the tool, like, hey, don't put mm-hmm. your fingers in front of the saw or underneath the saw or don't, you know, use the hammer on your foot, um, whatever you want to <laughs> sure. say, right? You follow some simple rules. It's very safe. And, um, you know, I, I told them, you know, you can pick up a gun. You can shake it around. It can be fully loaded. You can do a lot of things with modern handguns and modern rifles. And me and Nate were talking about this right before we started the podcast. Mm-hmm are extraordinarily safe. They're engineered very well that unless you put your finger on the trigger, it probably won't go off. You can slap it around, you can throw it around, um, all of those things. And unless something gets inside of the trigger guard and pulls the trigger with the gun being off safe, if it has a manual safety, it Mm -hmm. won't go off, right? 
So it's not something to be scared of. It is something to respect, just like you'd respect a chainsaw, which could cut, you know, limbs off. Yeah. Give it a little bit of respect. Be aware of what you are using. And there's nothing to be scared of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you see videos on the internet all the time of, of folks thinking it's funny to give a beginner shooter some ridiculous caliber handgun or ridiculous caliber <laughs> rifle and allowing it to blow them, their shoulder apart or, you know, have it fly into the air because it's got a ridiculous kick. Mm-hmm. that is extraordinarily a, a terrible way to do anything. It's not funny. It's not a good joke. People can get hurt outside mm-hmm. of the fact that they're carrying it or they're playing with something like a handgun or a rifle. It's just unsafe for everyone around them as well as them. It, it can actually physically hurt you outside of <clears throat> shooting you. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's just not good. So, but if you go with a responsible people with responsible people that are going to introduce you in the proper way, there's, little to no danger from handling and firing a handgun yeah. or a rifle or a shotgun. Any, any firearm is not dangerous inherently by its existence. And I think that's, it comes back to like what you said, Scott, it's a little bit of the ignorance, right? People that are against guns frequently have never touched, seen, fired, have mm-hmm. any general education mm-hmm. about them. Um, they are not inherently more dangerous than anything else. Look up, look at statistics of deaths in the U.S. Um, from anything versus handguns. Handguns are mm-hmm. so low on the list of things that kill people outside of health issues. That's the biggest thing, right? You know, your health issues. <laughs> mm-hmm. You take health issues away and you look at items killing people, whether maliciously or not, and handguns are so low on the list. You're going to have vehicles way up there ab- oh, above yeah. it. <laughs> Blunt <laughs> objects above it. People get killed with chainsaws. I, I use that a lot because oh my word, chainsaws are <laughs> that are, sounds pretty are bad. dangerous, oh right? Like inherently, a, a chainsaw is a dangerous thing. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that are high up on the list of ability and used to kill people intentionally or not versus a handgun, which or mm. or firearms, which is usually fairly low on the list. Yeah. For some reason, well, not for some reason, because. They have been used to kill things between hunting, in war, all of that. Mm-hmm. That's why they get elevated to the top of the importance of the list. Yeah. But not because they are actually inherently more dangerous than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, no one's outlawing or trying to create uh, bow control laws. Sure. I don't I don't know of a single bow control law that's been cycled through. <laughs> and I've in seen green recent arrow. history. <laughs> well, I mean, but like, I really, uh, you failed Hawkeye the city. I'm taking you down. Like they're more deadly than anything else. <laughs> right. Yeah. You see Legolas. <laughs> <laughs> Infinite arrows guy. Yeah, that guy. That yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so nothing inherently dangerous. You just need to go with somebody that's willing to uh, take a novice along and teach them. That's all. Yeah. Okay. So I have a question. Yeah. I have only ever been like, unofficially trained on guns by personal friends who have taken me shooting and taught me the basics of how to handle a firearm and how to, how to appropriately use it on a range, stuff like that. Do you recommend going to get like a concealed carry license or going through any of those training programs that are offered? So is that worth doing for someone like me? So it depends on your intent. Um, I would say that everyone should go through a basic handgun. It well. A basic firearm course of some sort. Most of the time it would be handgun. Um, most people, uh, Jeff, actually, you're a great example of it. You went and bought a handgun. You didn't go out and buy a rifle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless you're intending to go hunt or something like that, the average person isn't going to go to a gun store and immediately gravitate towards a rifle. They're bigger, quote-unquote scarier, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We can talk about the fact that they really aren't, but most people will they gravitate. the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, most people will gravitate towards a handgun. And I would advise that anybody that gets one spends time either with someone with, with experience mm-hmm. or go and pay for a course. Now, doing the, the concealed, uh, concealed carry license program, like going through a class with somebody like that, the vast majority of those in the state of Ohio, the requirements are you have 24, I believe it's 24 hours of training total. That might be a little mm-hmm. bit more than it actually is, but it's somewhere around there. And more than half of it, three or two, two thirds of the course will be classroom time. Only a, a small portion of it will be um, range time. And the mm-hmm. re- requirements for the ranger simply that you honestly expend rounds downrange in in the presence of uh, a range safety officer. You don't just necessarily, show, you have to prove that you know what you're doing. You're competent. Essentially, that you can shoot the handgun that you brought to the class, right? Hmm. Um, it, it doesn't require you to, they, they're not going to teach you anything inherently, right? Most courses aren't going to be teaching you how to shoot. Hmm. They're just going to make sure that you can. Some instructors will go a little bit above and beyond, but you'd have to be discretionary in your choice. There's hundreds and hundreds of people out there, right? To that yeah. run these courses. Um, what I would more inherently advise is that you go to an instructor's pistol course, hmm. Right. That will be of more benefit because they're going to teach you the basics. They're going to teach you how to use it, how to approach it, how to do those things. They may not teach you things like loading and that kind of stuff, but they'll teach you sight alignment, mm-hmm. trigger squeeze, um, stance, grip, all of those things, um, as well as general operation of your pistol, which I think is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes you more comfortable with it. makes you understand how it works and, and um, operates. Um, I can talk through those things. I have some certifications. I've done this for a long time, but I am not a professional to be fair. Like yeah. I'm not a professional instructor. I don't do this for a living. Um, I've been to a decent number of courses. I've been through um, a bunch of stuff with the army. Um, I train folks to shoot in the army. I run mm-hmm. their ranges. Um, I actually do that for uh, our safety team at our church. I also run those ranges and instruct mm-hmm. there, but I don't get paid. So take that all for what it is. Um, like mm. I said, I have some certifications, but I'm not uh, a paid professional, but I would advise anybody that is interested in getting a handgun. And if they have purchased one to spend the money for a weekend to do one course, mm-hmm. at least um, what you might find is you really enjoy it. And maybe that opens up the world of shooting to you. Right. Which may not be just, and I think people dumb it down to just being like, Oh, I'm going to concealed carry to defend myself or I'm going to be a competition shooter or I'm going to hunt. <laughs> Uh, I will say <laughs> while I do concealed carry, I don't, I don't, you know, do competition shooting. I do it for fun. Um, mm-hmm. with, with friends, I, I train on how to do it. I'm by no means the best out there, but I'm not half bad. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's a, it's a decent skill set to have, I think. Yeah. Um, speaking, uh, going back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier. Sure. Um, about just like general ignorance of the public. Mm. I find it really interesting that there's an inverse proportion to the knowledge and frequency in which people encountered guns in the past and how much gun violence there was. I mean, aside from just regular violence and how much like violence there is now surrounding firearms and how much focus is on it, even though it's so much more regulated as a whole, Mm. like there's so many more rules where back in the West, you just had some dude who sold guns and then you just bought a rifle and your dad probably <laughs> had one and it was just normal to an extent. And so mm-hmm. there was an inherent respect and safety surrounding those things that was baked like baked into your life, essentially. Yep. And now it's something that you essentially have to go and seek out. 
It's not like common knowledge. Nope. I felt like it used to be. So, I mean, when our parents would have been growing up, mm-hmm. it wasn't infrequent for schools to have shooting clubs. Yeah, that's right? crazy. Like <laughs> they'd be shooting. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. Well, I know, I actually know there have been schools that had ranges like built into their schools. Oh, that's cool. Like 22 is nothing. You're not doing anything crazy. Yeah. But they did it well, as a class. Like the church camp that Scott and I went to had, you could take shooting courses. We're, yeah, yeah we were in fourth, we I was in fourth grade, I think, when huh. they let us shoot rifles. That's yeah, cool. Man. Yeah. So, I mean, that was not infrequent back then. Um, it wasn't infrequent. I mean, if you look far enough back, I, I'd have to actually go back and see when things started to change. But in the early 1900s through at least past World War II, you mm-hmm. could order guns from a, a catalog. Cool. Like, wow. like you could, you know, uh, I mean, for if there's younger viewers, a catalog is a, a, a thing you open up and you'd have to like mail something to somebody to say, I would like to purchase this item. Here's my money. And you'd get it like six weeks later. Um, but you could actually order stuff off a catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people talk about how easy it is to get guns. Now it's not that simple, right? Mm-hmm. You have to go to a licensed dealer. You have to, um, they're the only ones that can actually purchase the firearm from or receive the firearm from a manufacturer mm-hmm. into their shop. You have to go in and do a bunch of paperwork, even in Ohio, which is inherent, which is a um, constitutional carry. Yeah. Well, no, we're not constitutional carry yet, but what I was going to yeah. say is, um, is a be quiet. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Is, is there, is a reason it's a, I'm going to say two a friendly state, meaning, they are not. There's not a lot of anti-gun legislation here. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of uh, outside of federal requirements. Isn't a lot of additional state requirements around mm-hmm. handgun or around firearms in general. But you still have to go through the federal requirements. Which if you buy a rifle, you fill out this. Well, buy a rifle or a handgun, you fill out this long uh, book that's asking you all sorts of questions. Uh, for a rifle, it gets you know logged away. For a handgun, they actually go through a background check mm-hmm. uh, for you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have any issues come up, you may have to wait until it gets cleared. Um, if you don't, generally speaking, you can walk away that day with it. No problem. Usually within 20, 30 minutes, depending on how busy it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not as simple as walking into Walmart and walking out like you would a frying pan, right? It's not, no. it's not easier to get a gun than it is to vote. No, no, it's a lot harder <laughs> to get pretty a gun. Hard. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing, right? It's not. It's not as just simple as walking into a store and picking up and walking out. You can't order mm. it directly off the internet. If you do order it off the internet, which you can't order guns. I was actually looking into that. Yeah. Like, so if you wanted to order something off the internet, you mm-hmm. can. You can go to the internet and say, I would like to purchase this pistol. The next step in it, though, is you then have to provide them with what is called your FFL receiver, which is your federal firearms license receiver, which is mm. a gun store or a gun manufacturer, or in the case so my company... We have our FFL so we can receive firearms mm-hmm. and process them into us. Primarily, it's used for folks or companies that are like, hey, we want to send you some promotional guns to use in some of your content, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. That's why we have it. That's why it's beneficial for us. Um, we can process outside paperwork. So if one of you guys wanted to get something in theory, we could process. But we have to go through the same process mm-hmm. as a gun store to do it. Most places will charge you something, 20 to 50 bucks, depending on the store. Mm-hmm. But you can order something off the internet, but it has to go to that firearms, federal firearms licensee. Mm-hmm. They then process the paperwork for you to pick it up. So if in the process you purchase it, you go there and they say, oh yeah, your background check didn't clear. Guess what? You can't have the thing you bought. <laughs> Even though you are. Right? So it's not as simple as ordering anything on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that easy. It's not incredibly difficult, 
it's a constitutional right. It's not inherently <laughs> difficult. Hint, hint. <laughs> but it is not just simply walking into a store and picking it up. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering, <laughs> given current real world happenings with Russia mm-hmm. invading Ukraine, <laughs> looks like you have some opinions, Nate. Do I have well, some I was, opinions? I, I said this to Ellen right before I walked into my office for this. I said, you know, I'm really happy we delayed this episode by like a week or something yeah. or two weeks. Yeah. Because if we hadn't, Ukraine wouldn't have been invaded and the government of Ukraine wouldn't have like issued rifles to every single adult male in their entire yes. country. Cause oh, they're like, hi, uh, none of you have guns cause we don't have a second amendment. Uh, so right. we're giving all of you guns and we're sending you YouTube videos on how to load a, yeah. a magazine. Here's, here's a quick rundown. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. let's talk about that for a second. Dude, watching shall we? fresh people yeah. load a gun for the first time is like, you should have, you should have seen me back in October. <laughs> it's so scary sometimes. <laughs> well, and so just so our viewers are aware it's, it is Monday, February 28th, Russia yes. invaded the Ukraine on Thursday night into Friday morning of last week, which would have been the 24th, 25th. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the process of that, in preparation and in current right now, what's happening, <clears throat> the Ukrainian government has come out and allowed their citizens to carry firearms in defense of their country. They are literally handing them out. The government is literally saying, if you need this, come here. We will give them to you. We will at least give you a general rundown of how they work so that you can defend yourselves. Hmm. So had they had a second amendment in theory, right? If people had were allowed to have firearms in their country, which I, I will say I'm a rather ignorant as to exactly what the laws are in mm-hmm. Ukraine. I would yeah. assume it's like most of the Eastern world where it's generally frowned upon. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, most people don't have them. If you do, it's some ancient hunting gun that you use once a year to go hunting with family or something along those lines. Um, but generally speaking in the East Europe, Eastern, uh, or I guess Western Asia, those kind of stuff, it's not generally, um, socially acceptable to own a firearm. And we're watching these Ukrainians trying to figure out what the heck to do Mm -hmm. with these guns that are being given to them, which, Hey, listen, good for them for picking up arms. I have a lot of respect for it. Yeah. But if you go back even in history for the United States, there's a reason Japan decided (laughs) they didn't want to invade the United States during mm-hmm. World War II. They actually said, if we invade the United States, there is a gun behind every blade of grass, right? That is their metaphor. There literally are more guns than people here. Is that true? I thought that was true. No, I, I heard I'm, that. I'm, I'm trying to think. Were, there's sure there's 120 I, guns for every 100 people. Yeah. I actually, I wasn't, I wasn't going to argue with that. I actually just don't remember what the number was. I just okay. looked it up today. Yeah. So that's yeah, why I know it. Nice. So, I mean, in theory, it would we wouldn't have as much of that issue because there's so many mm-hmm. people that own them, right? If someone were to invade the U.S. in this scenario, although I'm not too concerned about the Canadians coming south and yeah, they can. Mexico is already invaded from the west, or the <laughs> yeah. south. That's so, how it, so yeah. it gets you. But anyways, I, I mean, it wouldn't be as much of an issue here because we could stand up and do that, mm-hmm. right? Um, so when people talk about the Second Amendment. I, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree that it is the right to bear arms I should be able to own and use, right? Mm-hmm. But there's more than just, because most of the gun advocates you'll hear will be like, well, it's to res- to make sure that we don't have a restrictive government. It's to, uh, to be that line to keep our government from controlling us. There's a certain aspect of that, but there's also, mm-hmm. look at Ukraine and Russia. If they had that, it would be much, much less likely, in theory, mm-hmm. that Russia would want to invade if all of them had guns, right? Yeah. 
I mean, but that's also just the basis of guns in general. It's the reason that there's almost no gun violence in Texas because everybody has a gun. Sure. Who's going to go after someone if you know they have a gun? There's if a I'm going to go percent chance this guy has a gun. Yeah, it's like if I'm going to go in Scott's house and I assume that he has a gun because we live in Texas, probably not a good idea. <laughs> I don't want to get shot. Yeah, there was uh, someone shot up a church not too long ago, a couple years ago maybe mm-hmm. yeah. in Texas. I forget, but. And he got run down by an NRA gun trainer guy. Well, there was like, go ahead. The story was, as far as I remember, it was an old, older guy. He was a retired gun trainer for the NRA or range. I don't know. Ran his own range or something like that. Mm-hmm. And some guy showed up at a small church with a, with a handgun and shot like 10 people or so. And this guy ran out of the church, ran to his house, which was like two doors down. No, my word. Got his. I think I think it was uh, AR fifteen. It was an AR. Got got his AR fifteen out. Ran saw the guy get into his truck. Ran out into the street and shot him twice from like a hundred yards. And I don't know what the a good. It was a good enough range shot that people on the conservative were like, "Yo, props to this guy. That was a <laughs> stinking shot that he just hit." In a moving ve- moving target. Yeah, too. stood down a guy in a moving vehicle basically with his rifle and and stopped him before he could get away. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I mean, that was the story to my recollection. From my perspective, that is the benefit of the Second Amendment in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a lot of argument over what is legal, what's not. Um, I would say that I'm unfortunately intimately aware of what's going on for all of that stuff. And I am an advocate for us as as civilians, quote unquote civilians, to Mm -hmm. be able to own essentially anything we would like to. Um, There is benefits and, and everything to owning things that the government can own. So I actually just saw a, a tweet today and it was supposed to be funny and it is funny, but it was, so how many people, if we were invaded and the government were to say, Hey, come here and get a gun uh, to do it. How many of you guys quoting, point, pointing at his audience would mm-hmm. go get it and say, you've never used a gun before. And I 100% would raise my hand to get another gun <laughs> oh, yeah. from my government. That was most yes, likely <laughs> fully automatic, which I can't legally own as a uh, civilian, right? Mm-hmm. Only businesses can actually purchase that. I would not be able to own it. 100% would go get one because I'm allowed to now, quote unquote, under mm-hmm. this invasion policy. Um, and I would not be giving it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's for that those very reasons, right? There isn't anything inherently dangerous about having them. I have plenty. I have kids. Mine are locked up. I do have a safe. Mm-hmm. I actually have multiple just because of where I have things in the house. And I want to make sure that my kids aren't going to be... Um, unreasonably exposed to danger because they are ignorant and don't know the difference. Right. Yeah. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Both of them can walk now. Um, the three-year-old loves to play guns with his Nerf guns. Mm-hmm. He thinks it's the greatest thing in the world. And I love to play with him, but I also don't want him to mistake one of my real things mm-hmm. as something to play with. It's not a toy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the other benefits, right? So to link it back to the podcast, being a dad, yeah, my son will start to learn to shoot here in the next year or two. It'll yep. be basics. Really? It'll just be fun. It won't be anything crazy, but that's when I did as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. My dad started bringing me to the range at five years old. We were sitting on a bench with a rifle, dad's arms over mine, making sure nothing bad was going to happen. One shot at a time, nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. But that was my experience. That's when I was started. And he was like, we can go do this whenever you want. We can, quote unquote, play with daddy's guns anytime. Mm-hmm. But daddy has to be present and he will make sure you're safe mm-hmm. and we'll go do it together. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of that whole thought about like, I don't know if the word is exposure therapy or, 
you know, you hear parents talk about having their kids drink alcohol in their house mm-hmm. at a young oh, yeah. age, right? That Same. was our experience. Yeah. yeah. So instead of, you know, keeping it sheltered and keeping away from it, so you hit 21 and you want to go drink and go crazy or whatever. Yeah. In the case of guns, instead of making it this secret taboo thing that makes it interesting because it's secret mm-hmm. and you're keeping it away, mm-hmm. if you say, yeah, dude, we can take these out, we can look at them and we can touch yeah. them and go how's, shoot them. How's the war on drugs going? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same you, idea, right? I yeah. mean, once I, you say things are illegal, then the demand goes way up, <laughs> right? So, yeah, and especially so, the the illegal demand, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's that's my idea behind the gun thing, right? And everyone's different. I have a, a good buddy of mine. He's got two sons. Mm-hmm. His uh, oldest is just turned six or seven, and he's going to wait until he probably turns ten, right? Yeah. But he's also a guy that bought his both of his sons. They had a birthday gun, quote unquote. When they were born, mm-hmm. he had purchased a gun that he will at one point give to them, right? Yeah. So he's by no means scared of guns. He doesn't <laughs> want them, but he, he's got a different threshold. Yeah. For me, I'll do the same thing my dad did with me, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, bud, come on. We're going to go shoot together. It was fun. It was never, again, there was no pressure. There was nothing crazy about it. It was just, let's sit on this bench. We'll shoot a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll go get ice cream or something. You know what I mean? It was something along the lines of, Expose them young, teach them the rules of using it mm-hmm. so that it is a tool, mm-hmm. something that can be used for fun, but then also teach them the importance of it. Yes, it's a tool that it can also be used to protect. My son will see me take my gun because I do carry one on a mm-hmm. regular basis. He's seen me take it out and put it in the safe. And he'll be like, what's that, dad? I'm like, it's my, it's my gun, bud. It's a tool to protect people. He knows that that is for protecting people. Mm-hmm. He's three and he can say that. So again... I'm an advocate of, of teach them young. Now, if yeah. he doesn't ever want to shoot a gun, if he doesn't ever want to go hunting, cool. Mm-hmm. Good deal. If he wants to go uh, play sports and do that stuff, that was never something that I did. But if that's his interest, then let's chase that, right? Mm-hmm. My interest happens to be firearms. That's something I enjoy to do. If he doesn't want mm-hmm. to do it, it's cool. But he's still going to understand how to use them. He's going to sure. understand the rules he'll around still, them. Yeah, he'll be educated. Yeah. That. And then he never has to touch it again if he doesn't want to. Right. I, I really do love your chainsaw analogy with mm. this with this topic in particular because i remember the first time we used a chainsaw in the backyard <laughs> and i remember seeing scott do it and me being the younger brother being like that's terrifying <laughs> i'm, <laughs> I'm genuinely terrified right now that my brother who's like i don't know maybe you were 10 or i don't know 12 mm-hmm. at the time i don't remember how old you were mm-hmm. the first time you use a chainsaw and just this it it grabs and it pulls and dad's like now make sure when it when it, you pull the trigger you don't get loose with it. Otherwise it'll grip and it'll mm-hmm. rip it out of your hands. You can't let that happen. And me being like, that is the most terrifying thing I've ever, it can get ripped out of your hands. I'm scared. Mm-hmm. Never being like freaked out, but you know, it's, it's just as dangerous as any other powerful tool. Yep. Or the first yeah. time you use a table saw and being like, this is, you know, you're, Ooh, Ooh, this is freaky, but you, yeah. it's more scary because you don't know what you're doing than anything else. Yeah. And if you're like us where you grew up, and you do stuff like this. Our dad's building stuff with saws and we're chopping down, we're chopping things in half with a, with axes. We're splitting wood with axes as kids. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, there's probably parents who freaked out about you're going to cut your foot off when you're, you know, chopping logs. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just what we, it's just what we did. And it was never, we never made any big deal out of it. Our dad showed us how to do it properly and we didn't question. Yeah. And I never had. Other than, other than like the initial childhood fear of like, that's a scary loud thing that's cutting trees down that my brother's holding. That's <laughs> weird to me. But like, I, as soon as you learned, it was never anything freaky and yeah. I've never had any inhibitions about using power tools 
now as an adult, like we had to buy like a tile cutting saw. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. We had to buy a giant chainsaw to cut cement. And I was like, okay, you know, n- none of that freaks me out now. Cause I have enough general experience that because I was, I grew up doing stuff like this with our dad to be freaked out by anything. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, and it works to, to run with that even more. So my dad still re- reminds me when we go out and work outside with a chainsaw or whatever, mm-hmm. he's still be like, Hey man, remember be careful. You know, I've been cutting trees up with my dad for close to 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we still remind each other like, Hey man, watch out. That one's going to be a gnarly one. There's some, there's some, you know, knots there. You I mean, we literally still remind each other mm-hmm. 20 yeah. years of doing it. Right. We don't want to get complacent. And like, that's to think you've done it so often as second nature and then just get careless. Right. Know? And that's the same thing, right. With firearms. Mm-hmm. I still remind myself of all the rules. I still check everything. Um, as soon as you become complacent with any tool, it mm-hmm. became, can become dangerous. You become complacent with a chainsaw. That's when it slips. It comes back. You cut your yeah. finger. God forbid you cut anything further than that, right? Because, I, I mean, I've, I've cut myself with a chainsaw before. Not anything. I haven't lost a limb, but I've cut myself with a chainsaw before because mm-hmm. I made a mistake. Yeah. Because I was not being smart about it. That's reality of any tool. A firearm's no different. Mm-hmm. And so that's the interesting <laughs> and I talked about this a little bit is that, um, you know, I started like my first experience with any sort of shooting was archery. Like sure. that was where I started. I was like, I think it was like 10 years old and I was always just kind of interested in it. I had a little bow, bow when I was growing up. And so my parents were like, oh, he's interested in this. So let's put him in, you know, like 4-H shooting. And that was like a thing. And the cool thing about that is I think there is something to understanding like that there is like this tool is extremely powerful and it, and it can destroy things. Yep. And a lot of the similar things that are on gun ranges have similar structures in archery. Granted, it's not loud. There's not a bunch of banging going on, but you can see that this thing is going to fly down. And when it hits that target and you go and you pull that arrow out and it's like, Oh crap. Like, (laughs) wow. Like this could literally do something bad. Like, like your brain makes those connections even at a very young age. And I think it's very similar, like even mm-hmm. with going and shooting guns when you're younger, you're like, oh, this, this is dangerous in the sense that it, anything that's down there could very well be destroyed and you can't recover it. There's no way to undo that. And I think that's a very important structure to like, to learn at a young age that there are certain tools, there are certain things, like even with the chainsaw analogy, you slip and you hit your leg with that chainsaw. Because you're not wearing the pr- proper protective gear, mm-hmm. you don't have a leg anymore. You can't unsaw your leg; it's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like whoop, in reverse. <laughs> wow. There's so many times in life where I wish, I wish I could hit Control Z. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I, I really can't undo what I just did. Can yeah. I? No, that's that's permanent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and honestly, you know, it can be summed up right. There's there's the four uh, gun safety rules, right? Always keep the gun pointed in a safe direction. Mm-hmm. Always keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot, which goes back to it won't shoot unless something presses the trigger. Mm-hmm. Know um, where your target is and what is beyond it. Mm-hmm. You can't control Z it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. um, only point your gun at things that you're willing to destroy. Yes. Right? That's the one. Whether it's a target, whether it's a clay pigeon mm-hmm. um, for you know skeet shooting, that kind of stuff, whatever it is, don't point a gun at it unless you're willing to destroy it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's, it, you, you follow those four rules. You're really not going to go terribly wrong. Yeah. Like yeah. healthy yeah. respect, right? 
Honestly, right. the, the biggest one for me is treat the, every gun as if it as if it's loaded. One of the basic things they'll treat you or teach you when you uh, start learning about guns in the army. Mm-hmm. I had plenty of experience prior to this, but this is one of the things they always said is if somebody hands you a gun, check to see if it's loaded. Right? Yeah. The first thing you do is you check to see if it's loaded. Now, in the mm-hmm. case of folks like Scott, you don't have a lot of experience. Correct. Right? You may not know how. You say, "Hey, can you show me that it's unloaded?" Right? Yes. Question. No mm-hmm. one's going to get angry about it. Mm-hmm. No one's going to, you know, be like, "Oh, he doesn't know how to check this gun if it's loaded or not." What a, what a loser. No, no one's <laughs> going to say that. It's just you being safe. You know, hey, I probably should know whether this is loaded or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they don't tell you when they hand it to you, probably you should slap them too. By the way, yeah. um, but it's it's as simple as asking. If you follow the rules. You are going to be safe. It's not. It's not a bomb. It's not just ticking, mm-hmm. about ready to go off. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my favorite memes are when people take a picture of their gun sitting in a chair, like by the front door, like I left my gun in this chair all day and it didn't shoot anybody outside. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, I love those because again, inherently, a chainsaw that's not being used, a gun that's not being used, a hammer that's not. If it's sitting there not doing anything, it's not inherently dangerous. Mm-hmm. Nothing about it makes it any more dangerous. Mm-hmm. This is one you, of the things that so, I had to say with my wife when I. When, we, when I was buying this handgun, she was like, honestly, I'm a little bit uncomfortable because it's just kind of scary to me. And I've actually, I've taken her shooting. She's gone shooting with me. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't have zero experience. She has basics gone shooting once. And I, I had to kind of make the argument to her of, look, the reason why I'm, I want this is even though I know there is a very low chance that I'm ever in a serious life-threatening situation in which this is what I that the, my gun would be needed. Yeah, it's like I would be damned if I didn't have it and I needed it. Well, like the idea that mm. that bad people are allowed to have these and I'm not, or like someone else could have a weapon that's stronger than mine, where mm-hmm. they someone is trying to do me harm or something, and all I have is like a, my knife out of the kitchen, <laughs> and they have a shotgun. It's like that's just not fair, and I'm not. Like, I refuse to be on the weaker footing for mm-hmm. some moral stance. It's like I that that's the part of the Second Amendment that kind of hit home for me when I had kids. It's like mm-hmm. I will yeah. be more well prepared to defend my family than you are to attack me. Mm-hmm. I, I will be because I, I love my kids too much. I'm not giving you the upper hand ever. Even if there's like a point zero 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 one percent chance I ever need to. It's like you're not gonna get the I there's no reason I would I would, you know, give someone else an advantage over me in a fight. Mm-hmm. It's no, there's no point. I mean, it's the same idea as having, I mean, not necessarily the percentage because you'll, everyone probably will have it at some point, but it's the same idea as having a spare tire and tools in your, in your vehicle to change that spare tire. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, percentage is higher that you'll have a flat tire at some point, depending <laughs> yes. on how long you've been driving. Right. But you'd rather have it and never need it mm-hmm. than not have it at all. Right. Like than need it and not have it. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I was just thinking about that same thing because, uh, I was thinking about the wave of dread that would go over me if I was in the situation. And I, something even happened very recently that I went full fight or flight mode. Our, we had the giant ice storm that happened. Our telephone pole that's right out front of our house that is the drop, our electrical drop that goes to the house, mm-hmm. went and fell at like a 45 degree angle. Mm. So the cables were in the street. Like they were like five feet off the ground across the street, like a giant tripwire essentially. Yeah. Um. So... Katie and I are laying in bed about to go to sleep. And all of a sudden I hear uh, on the door of the house. And I'm like, what's that? Like, why is there a noise? And then I hear it again. 
and I'm just thinking, I'm like, what the frick is this? Like, I have no idea what this is. And I have to go and open the door. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm genuinely have no idea who it could be or what is going on. It, it probably is nothing. But like, m- like those were like the thoughts I had after the fact. I was like, I couldn't imagine being in a situation where I like heard someone in the house mm-hmm. and I'm just supposed to be like, I'm going to hit him with a baseball bat. Like, that's all I got. <laughs> I don't know where I'd find <laughs> a baseball bat. He doesn't have bat. a gun. You know? <laughs> you know? Um, I have my bow and arrow, but it's hanging up in the, <laughs> the house, and that's not good for clearing rooms. <laughs> it's great for range. <laughs> I know. Okay, hold Just, still. like, going around the corners. <laughs> I can get one shot off. That's it. But, yeah. like, those kinds of things is, like, I couldn't imagine when I am called to be the protector of my family to be basically, like, Sorry, guys, I wasn't prepared. You know, I just never thought this was going to happen. Is that acceptable? Yeah, the, 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 the whole you, the whole Russia Ukraine thing has been a big kind of boon to Man. me. Of like, you know, it's just, it's we've lived in such a peaceful time for so long. We're we have. Only, I say peaceful, like we haven't had fighting in the Middle East for the past my entire lifetime. But it hasn't been here. It's never been in one of the first world countries where you go, oh my gosh, England has been attacked. Like that hasn't happened since the forties. Mm-hmm. And then you see this and it's like, yeah, so it's entirely possible that some political leader is just crazy and invades a country. It's like, that's a thing that can happen. Mm-hmm. It's happened all throughout history. And we just think, well, it hasn't happened for 60 years. It won't happen again. <laughs> it's like, it might. Like, it's not high, yeah. but like it might happen. It's like, that's why it's there because this crap might freaking happen well i mean so i'm not gonna take a ooh chill pill it's like no you you don't come after second amendment rights like you don't get to i've become much more strong about this recently of like if i ever hear it now i'm like nah i I do just such i will not accept the argument it's so dumb the people Mm -hmm. in ukraine were like oh we don't need guns then they got invaded by russia like i'm not i'm not doing this conversation anymore well i mean and it's officially over I mean, take it back to a little bit more recent history. Um, 2020, summer of 2020. Mm-hmm. Right. All of the riots, all of the cities oh, burning, right? Now, there's plenty of situations in that. We don't necessarily need to get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, mm-hmm. There have been, there were people shot. There were issues with that. Some pretty big national cases. Don't really necessarily want to talk about that. But the whole point being, if you were in that city, you were living in the, that town, and mm-hmm. people are marching up and down. We you, lived our childhood home was in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. Sure. Which is one of the places that got, like, it was right in the middle of this in Minnesota. Yeah. So, I mean, imagine being there in your house, watching people turning over cars and burning stuff to the ground, concerned that they might walk into your house. I mean, honestly, that would that would be terrifying if you didn't have something. You have a baseball bat. Well, what's a baseball bat against a crowd of people? It's nothing. Right, no, it's useless. <laughs> and again, I'm, I'm, I'm not stick. <laughs> by any means am I advocating for running into the street and shooting all the rioters. That's not it at all. No. But a simple way of defending your family from something dangerous mm-hmm. or being able to extricate yourself from a scenario without any harm because people are scared of that, right? Yes. Being able to say, leave my house or you get shot. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I mean, you can, you can hear of a lot of scenarios where that is the way the situation escalates is you are threatening my life. I'm going to tell you, I have a way of taking yours. If you continue to threaten it and they walk away mm-hmm. again, I'm not advocating in your uh, road rage scenario to pull out your ha- firearm and no. brandish it wildly at people. Or, um, you know, you're angry at somebody. There's, 
unfortunately, there are plenty of cases of people irresponsibly doing that, right? That mm-hmm. is reality. People make mistakes yeah. and people are inherently evil and sinners. But that doesn't mean the tool is bad. It means the people are bad. Correct. Yeah. And I, I, like, because I, I have some of my buddies are pretty frustrated and angry about this. And they're like, well, my neighbor is anti gun. And if they needed help, I wouldn't give it to them. Like, I 100% Ugh. don't agree. I mean, nope. absolutely not. I will use the tool to protect the people around me. That That is uh, part of what I think is a, a, a Christian male, I have a responsibility to love on the people around me, regardless of their political or religious views. Mm-hmm. And a part of that is protecting them in that scenario. Yeah. Rushing outside to take down a riot, probably not a good idea, but protecting your family in the case that that riot comes to you. Yeah. Right. So there's a case in St. Louis for that. I think rioters are coming into this like gated community and a couple came out and yep. showed their weapons or something. Yep. Um, I don't think they fired them. They did no, not. They no. just, Stood there holding them. I mean, yeah. they've they've been turned into a big meme in the two uh, way community. It's kind of fun, but yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but that's that, a that good was example. A weird story. What were you about but to the say? The thing just? I was going to say is, uh, when I was at a New Year's party this year, I met this guy who was a friend of my brother in law, and he was he works he's in the army. He's at one of the bases down there, and he was kind of telling me because he was a cigar guy. So we're out in the backyard smoking a cigar one of the morning on New Year's Day. <laughs> And he was saying how he feels as a guy who's in the army that it's his responsibility to carry. Cause I asked him, I was like, do you have your gun on you right now? Cause we're just talking about this stuff. He's like, yeah, of course he said, I feel responsible to carry it because I'm trained for this. Mm. Like I, I know that if anything happens, I am probably the most qualified person to deal with a difficult scenario or a life threatening scenario in the immediate vicinity. Yeah. And it would be, I would be so guilt written if something bad did happen and I know I'm trained to deal with it and I don't have my gun on me. Yeah. He's like it, because I'm trained, I feel responsible for the people around me to be ready to defend them. If, if the time, if, if anything were to happen. And I was like, that's interesting. I've never really thought about it that way, but he's like, yeah, it's a responsibility that I've taken on myself for your guys' sake. And you'll, I mean, you'll never think about it, but I think about it. It's like, yeah, I'm prepared to defend you guys, even right. in a crazy scenario that you've never thought of. And you'll be thankful that I made that decision when the, that scenario happens. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not that I'm hoping it does, but if it does, I'm ready for it. And I feel responsible because mm-hmm. I am capable of defending you that I should. Well, also the interesting thing is, is like what you were talking about, Nate. It's like, yeah, these are weapons. They were designed originally, you know, for hunting, but also for war. Like the advancement of the weapons probably existed because of war. And it's like, because of that, it's like, oh, these are just killing machines. It's like, yeah, but also like people make things that throw things really fast and hard all the time. There's pumpkin cannons. If you got hit with the pumpkin cannon, you're <laughs> going to die as well. Potato it's like, cannons. Yeah. Like people like to make things that do things. You make like there's shotgun shells that literally shoot magnesium dust. It's called dragon's breath. It makes a giant fun. It's amazing. awesome. <laughs> you know? Like there's even like utilitarian versions, flare guns, probably imagine how many people have been saved at sea because they happen to have to have a flare gun on board because it's a requirement now. It's like, yeah, that you could probably shoot someone with a flare gun. I don't know what it would do to them, but I've done it. (laughs) (laughs) I I would certainly imagine it would be uncomfortable. Yes, yes, certainly. But like there's, there's such a variety. There's shotguns, there's bush guns, there's pistols, there's rifles. There's so many of these things and they are all fundamentally tools and how they are used 
is entirely the basis of it. It's not the tool itself. And it, and it never was. I mean, think about all the people, like even like people that go hunting, like I, you've been talking mm-hmm. about hunting. It's like, there's people that can go and hunt. It's like, Oh, we don't want all these uh, mass farming of, of cows and stuff. It's like, Oh yeah, well I hunt, you know, deer or elk and Oh yeah, I shoot an elk and I get like two elk and I'm good for the year for my whole family. Oh yeah. I'm not even part of that system. Like, Oh, all you did was you, you shot it and you also helped the, the, uh, what is it called? Natural ecosystem. Ah. That part. <laughs> I knew it was there. It was eco something. Conservation. <laughs> yes. And like all of those things. And honestly, the biggest advocates of conservation and wildlife are actually sportsmen as a whole. They are the majority of people mm-hmm. that put into that as a whole and protecting populations, protecting wildlife, protecting forests, all those things. And it's not the person standing in front of Whole Foods asking you to sign their petition. Save the world. Mm, no. <laughs> it's people actually doing it because they care about it. It's not just a bunch of mindless goons going out there and, oh, I want to kill Bambi. No. They actually care about what's going on here. They want this to continue. They want it to exist. It's not a destroying of the ecosystem. If anything, it's saving it. <laughs> yeah. It's keeping it in balance. Yeah. Keeping it in balance. Exactly. You can... I didn't think about that. Two elk, you can feed your family for a year. Joe uh, Rogan shoots an elk. He goes hunting once a year. That's what he eats. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and him and his family. You gotta he talks about it all the time. <laughs> you got to think they're breeding quicker than that. Oh, well, they but. certainly are. <laughs> I mean, we could go down another whole yeah, rabbit trail I mean, with that one. But I will answer the question, elk are really, really big. I mean, that's true. Yeah. I, and I know that sounds like I'm trying to be condescending. I'm not. They're just, they're genuinely huge creatures. And you yeah. shoot a couple of those, in theory, you've got plenty of meat for the year type thing. I mean, my dad and I, <clears throat> we just hunt white tailed deer, mm-hmm. which are not that big. No, not that um, big. I mean, I think the biggest one I've probably seen shot, not that I've shot, that I've seen shot was pushing the 250 pounds. Mm. So not, not anything massive. Um, but those certainly can fill a freezer. Like, Mm-hmm. One of those can fill fill your freezer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can definitely feed your whole family off an elk for a, quite a quite a few months, for sure. Mm-hmm. Get a couple, you wouldn't need to buy any red meat for the rest of the year if you didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will never forget one of our neighbors in Minnesota. Yeah, he popped into my hunter. head, too. Mm-hmm. And I remember as a kid, I mean, this is when we were living in Minnesota, we were little kids. I was like fourth grade. It was the last year we lived there. <laughs> um, we... My dad was like, hey, guys, you got to see something because he saw that our neighbor had gone hunting and killed some deer. So we walk over as he's hanging the deer in his garage and the <laughs> yeah. plastic starting the field them, dressing and he's starting to skin him. <coughs> we watched him skin the deer for a little oh, bit. Oh, my word. And I remember being like both freaked out and like, this is kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a man he is. Process this. <laughs> but I remember seeing yeah. that as a kid and thinking that's kind of like nasty but also like really cool that's like meat Mm -hmm. that's it that's red meat i see it it looks like the stuff my mom makes but it's hanging from a garage (laughs) hey just seeing the earlier stages of how it gets into your fridge so i mean that 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 just goes to show another way that that firearms or archery in this case Mm -hmm. you know for you like that can help your family like owning a firearm whether it's something like that can help your family, can help you feed your family. My, one of my, th- the things my, my dad really enjoys to hunt. That's one of his, um, 
I would say that that's like his, he gets to hunting. That's his Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. Is getting to hunting um, in the uh, late fall, early winter time. Um, and he takes what he can get, meaning like if he can shoot as many deer as his license, license, licenses, because he'll hunt in both Ohio and Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. allow. He likes to completely tag out. But he's not hunting for a trophy. He's not looking for the biggest buck he can get. I mean, he, he'll shoot for for some cool antlers. Don't get me wrong, but that's not the goal, right? Mm-hmm. He's out there to be in nature and to get to hunt. But he usually give if I don't get a deer, which unfortunately happens more often than I like, I care to admit. Um, <laughs> he'll give me some some venison. He'll mm-hmm. sh- share it with my sisters who also have their own families, and then. There's been families in our area that he frequently will give deer to because they like venison, but they either can't get out to hunt or they don't hunt. And then the other half of the time, he'll pay for the deer to get processed. And um, all the butchers, at least in this area, mm-hmm. know people that need meat. And he'll say, just give it to them. I'm paying for the processing, but just that's awesome. give them the meat. You know what I mean? And that the whole idea, but he's taking care of people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the way he's doing that, it's because he owns a gun. Correct. Yes. And he can shoot it with it, right? Um, so I don't Especially know. when you look at stuff going on this year of like supply chains completely shutting yeah. down and grocery stores running out yeah. of food. It's like, dude, the ability to walk into the woods, kill a deer, take it to the butcher, get it prepared, and then give it to people. It's like, that's a legitimately valuable thing. Yeah. We mm-hmm. don't think about how fragile the whole thing is. But like if a couple truckers decide that eh, we're not delivering today, like the food runs yeah, out. Seriously. So, I mean, it's a pretty big deal to be mm, able to self-sustain. Yeah. So, I just I look at it as a way of keeping my family safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some ways, sustaining my family and genuinely, it's fun. Like, yeah, everything is. else aside, yeah, it, it is fun. It, it is genuinely just, fun. It is thrilling firing a powerful weapon. And of course, you guys are by all means welcome to come by the house anytime. I am super down. I'm for literally going to take you up on that. By all by means, hardcore. By yeah, all means. just need yeah. to. We, we definitely have to do a dad's diapers and shooting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there will be no drinking. There dad's be, diapers and shooting. There's no dad's drinking. Diaper dad's shooting. diapers and shooting. Yeah. Yeah. it goes back no to drinks. those. That, that isn't in the four firearm rules, but we'll add that one in. It's Fifth one is one. just don't drink and shoot. That's yes. just dumb. No beverages. Yeah. You can mm. drink after you finish. Afterwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Celebratory drink. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, it feels like we just wrapped up. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, we got, we got a lot out of that one, so I'm feeling good. I mean, I feel like there's even more then. <laughs> it probably is. I had more uh, questions, but I don't even want to open up any more. It's cans been a while, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. So mm. It's all good. Well, I can no, talk about this forever. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate your uh, true insight and uh, experience. Yes. I... I like it when you're on because I just get to sit here. (laughs) (laughs) Scott's like, I get to be an audience member this time. I will say, Bethany, my wife, Bethany's feedback from the last time I was here was, Scott didn't say anything and you talked the whole time. (laughs) Well, good thing we didn't do that again. It's a real shame. that I said a a lot more this time. No, no, I got in trouble for taking over your podcast last time. (laughs) It's okay. Well, when we talk about things you know about, I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, this one especially, I, you know, we wanted to talk about guns and you were like the obvious choice mm-hmm. to, to bring on. So I was yeah. like, I was prepared to not say much, <laughs> even though, I, even though I said a lot more than last time, but yeah. mm-hmm. all right. So thank you, Nate, for joining us. Of course. And thank Anytime. you good people out there for listening. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know if I should even point people to the social medias anymore. I <laughs> haven't. Touch them. <laughs> point, them to it. point them to it anyways. It's fine. Right. We're on Instagram. 
we're on Facebook. We're yeah. on Twitter. At the very least, just share us on your page so that people know about us. Right. That would be the most we, helpful thing. Oh, I forgot to mention this. We're on Rumble. Yeah. Um, That's new too, yeah. Yeah. Um, where things are still free, you know, free to, free to say things. So you can follow us over there if you want to jump ship. Uh, we're also we're also on YouTube still. Um, so I mean, YouTube. We're just trying to be everywhere. We're too small for YouTube to bother censoring us. But I feel like some of the stuff we say is censorable. I don't know. Yeah, Who know. knows? You they, will be they right. can, Well, they the, the real thing want. about that is Rumble is a much better market to grow in because it's a growing market. YouTube's stagnant. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you, you can make it as a YouTuber now, but. Rumble is a platform that's actually growing in user base and YouTube is not. YouTube is like plateaued. Right. So mm. that was the reasoning. Yeah. So anyway, share a podcast around if you like it. Um, I think we're very slowly growing, which is kind of cool, but mm-hmm. um, like to go. I, I honestly have been getting faster. more compliments recently about, about it. And I'm, I'm getting worried. I don't know. <laughs> People seem to talk nicely about it, and I don't know why. Just, <laughs> why aren't you criticizing me right now? <laughs> Please. I know. It's not yeah. that good. Tell you me must not actually be listening like, to my podcast. You're <laughs> yeah. just saying Yeah, you it. must be lying to me or something. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's all we got for this week. Uh, we'll talk at you next week. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>